Hello? Is anybody there? They're not. It is me, John. I'm here with a solo Because Money podcast. Everyone else has uh, not been able to show up tonight, and that happens from time to time. And I thought it was a good opportunity, rather than just canceling the episode altogether, to talk about conversations without actually having a conversation. Of course, that's the big theme of our Because Money season overall, is having these important conversations about money. But it's hard to have that conversation to start it. And a lot of times you feel like you're out there on your own. And I mean, it's important. It can be very valuable to have a sounding board, to have someone to talk to, to know that you're not alone in the world with whatever money problems or concerns or worries that you might be having. And even though we know that and we've been telling you that all season, it can be really hard to get it started. Like, how do you have the courage to first sort of break that taboo and start to talk to someone else about money? So in a lot of cases, even though you're listening to us have conversations, which can be a good way to start to, you know, hear, normalize the idea that, hey, people talk about money. I heard this group of nerds talk about money on the uh, old internet podcast machine there. So, you know, maybe it's something that I could do too. But in addition to that, like you can start to think of other ways to try to articulate your thoughts about money. So, you know, if you're not brave enough to actually follow through and start talking about money with someone else, maybe you can talk about money with yourself. I mean, it can be helpful to write things out on a whiteboard or on a piece of paper, sketch things out, draw them out, um, you know, really articulate your thoughts and that can make it sort of easy to talk with yourself, like get your thoughts really articulated and that can help you figure out where you are, what you're going to do, what you're worried about, what, or, you know, set your mind at ease. Like, oh, I do actually have a bunch of resources that I can draw on if something happened in an emergency. Like I've got an emergency fund, I've got family, I've got all of these other sources of support. And then then you won't necessarily have that anxiety in the back of your mind thinking, oh, if something happens, well, if something happens, at least this part of my life is going to be okay. And then the other way is, I mean, I'm a big online person. I talk way more with people over the internet than I do in person. Uh, So finding an online community is a great way to get into it because it can be full of other money nerds who love to talk about money. And so it's not like imposing on someone. It's not breaking any kind of taboo. They are explicitly there and have given full consent to talk about money and would love to. And so you can, you know, jump in and, you know, listen to some conversations or or read them as it were, if it's text-based, where you can see what people are ta- other people are talking about what other people are recommending even before having to open your own proverbial internet mouth uh, I'm personally involved in uh, the reddit personal finance Canada group uh, and you know there's dozens of questions every day and I mean I don't definitely don't read them all but I stop in and it's interesting to see what's on people's minds what they're saying you know what they're looking for help with and you know it's not always about looking for help and trying to get specific questions answered although on the internet that is a big part of it but even just like you know what someone else's insurance worries are can make you think oh what are my insurance things happening even if you don't directly talk in the conversation and then it's a great supportive place where you can ask your own questions or even just you know 
lay out your situation and try to get some validation and get some acknowledgement that, yeah, things are hard for you right now and people see you and then they get that. And that can sort of help you also articulate your own thoughts and get ready to talk about things with your own family and your own friends and in your own real life. So, you know, that that online community can be kind of an in-between step from this sort of open, everyone talks about money and whenever they want to without having to feel a taboo and, you know, actually getting there from the world that you might live in now where money is very much a taboo subject, even if nobody explicitly enforces or says that that's a taboo, that they just don't talk about it. Um, and, you know, there's lots of other taboo subjects in our life. If you listen to the recent uh, episode 11 on money and mental health, there was a shocking revelation that, you know, women sometimes menstruate. And it can be a difficult thing for particularly men to talk about uh, menstruation and to even get comfortable saying that word, the M word, uh, can be something that it takes a little bit of time getting used to. I mean, I know that... Uh, you know, back in definitely middle school and probably even high school, I wasn't super comfortable with the concept and like, you know, talking about anything related to that. I think science classes helped a lot in university, but I don't like shudder at the word. It's still a weird thing that women's bodies are weird, but uh, without going down too far of a rabbit hole there, like there are things that it's difficult to talk about in in uh, public that really it's kind of weird that they are because they happen to so many of us. Like so many of us at some point have to say no to something because of the cost, even though there might be a social obligation pushing you towards spending that money that it becomes uncomfortable to spend. And... You know, the other issue with women's bodies. And there I just avoided saying the word again, uh, just to sort of show you where we are. Uh, so that's a big thing. And again, I'm speaking for my co hosts who aren't present tonight. Uh, but that's a big thing is getting this conversation going. And as long as I've got the mic on my own and no one to stop me from going off and just rambling, um, when we talk about these money conversations, there is a little bit of a danger in that the people who might be prepared to talk about it a lot are people who have something to sell you. And they might be really evangelical about something. I mean, even if they're not directly selling it themselves, they might have you know, become a recent convert to the church of Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever cryptocurrency is gripping the market. I mean, a lot of that has really gone away thanks to the values coming down and that you know, crazy uh, parabolic growth that we were seeing at the end of 2016 or 27, no, it was later than that, 2017, 2018, um, that, that's really come off uh, and that's helped, you know, remove some of that conversation about people like really pushing, you should get into it, you should get a cold wallet and all this stuff that you might have been uh, hearing in your own dinner table conversations or on the subway or whatever. Uh, but th that can be a bit of a concern that you start to talk about this stuff and then you're like, oh, great, I forgot that so-and-so's cousin is a insurance salesperson and, and now all I'm going to hear about is how insurance can solve all of my problems if I just get the right insurance problem and pro uh, product and they can hook me up with them. So... 
I mean, that, that is a concern and something to watch for if something someone's a little too enthusiastic about one particular s- solution. Of course, sometimes they're enthusiastic for good reasons. I mean, I'm very much an index fund evangelist to uh, people who should start investing and saving. And um, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think that they're inherently good things for a lot of people, but... It can be hard when you don't know what the things are in the first place to distinguish between uh, salesmanship and just enthusiasm. Anyway, to completely change gears and talk about a different subject, um, I've been kind of fascinated with AI and machine learning and uh, in my day job and writing a few grants related to that. And, and it's interesting how it works where, uh, you know, these deep learning algorithms, these uh, machine learning algorithms, for, for the most part, they'll take a huge amount of data and they'll go through it and they'll learn the patterns from it without programming in what the patterns mean or what they are. And that sometimes leads to strange and interesting results in AI. I mean, you may have seen the article where the one system that had been trained to try to classify uh, skin cancer had accidentally been trained to identify rulers in images because the worst cases of skin cancer happened to have rulers in them. And another one that was trained to try to find sunspots and found that the best prediction for predicting sunspots, which are essentially not predictable or at the very least extremely difficult to predict, uh, they found that the best prediction to make was that there are never ever sunspots and then that was the highest likelihood of success, which is you know, also saying something about trying to predict extremely uh, rare and unpredictable phenomenon. Um, but what's interesting is that AIs learn by looking at these patterns and just sort of figuring out the pattern, but it takes a lot of examples for them to try to pick that up. And that's very different from how people learn a lot of things. If we can learn the mechanisms and the rules that are underlying things, then we can learn a lot faster. And so, you know, an example that I read in this um, article recently was talking about how we learn to recognize letters. And if you want to learn a new letter and you sort of learn like what the features of the letter are, you know, you just need to look at a couple examples or learn like what the strokes are with a pen or a brush to make that letter. And then you can recognize it very, very quickly again from other letters that are out there uh, because you sort of have this concept of what makes an A an A, even when it's got that little like hook at the top. Um, you can recognize that as an A just as well as the sort of A that you'd likely do if you're printing, which is more of just like a circle with a line off to the right. And then very quickly distinguish what makes an A different from a lowercase d, where that line goes up a little higher. And like why that height of the riser is important and then also what an a does it makes an ah sound instead of a d sound so if you're reading a word and the riser has sort of an intermediate height you can very quickly dis- differentiate which is which just based on um, the context and you know you recognize that in a certain font it's going to be consistent so if you see that the a's in this font tend to have a bit of a higher riser that might make them confusing with a d and then you see a d then you know okay the d's look like this the a's look like this and then you you get it uh whereas that can be sort of like troublesome for ai's 
And then we related this back um, in an offline conversation that unfortunately we didn't record, uh, back to the idea of learning the mechanisms versus learning a recipe and how people learn. So if you learn the mechanisms, then you can learn fairly quickly, but then you have to invest that mental effort in in learning the mechanisms. Uh, And sometimes all you really want is a recipe. And... You know, I can see this in finances where sometimes people are just like, how much should I spend on budgeting? And that's kind of like in cooking where you just want a recipe. Like, I want to make a decent chocolate chip cookie. What do I need? Well, you need a couple of cups of flour and a little bit of butter and an egg and some chocolate chips and some sugar and, you know, maybe a little pinch of vanilla and then you're off to the races and, you know, something to help it rise, like some baking powder. Uh, and then you get those in a specific proportion. You don't need to play around with it too much. You know that you're going to get... You know, from this recipe that you found in a magazine or a cookbook or a website or whatever, you're going to get a pretty decent chocolate chip cookie. You just add the ingredients as stated and follow the steps and then you're good to go. And sometimes people want to play with recipes. And to do that, you need to start understanding like what each of those components does to the cookie. And some people like myself included really enjoy those cooking shows and those cookbooks that don't just give you the recipe and the steps, but they tell you like why you're doing what you're doing. And that can help you learn to uh, cook a bit better, but it takes that little bit of extra time to invest and learn about, you know, what's happening in the chemistry of cooking, what's happening in the mechanics of baking, like what, what are the traditions? Why do you need bread a whole bunch and need biscuits only a little bit and need pancakes not at all you just mix them and keep them wet and how does this all play into what the ultimate texture of these fairly similar recipes in terms of like flour and water and other stuff go together and so then this brings me back to thinking about finances and in terms of you know do you teach people the mechanics of everything, uh, or do you let them pay for the services of someone to worry about the mechanics and then, you know, they'll talk about creating a customized recipe for them? And is there a place for those articles that, as people who sort of know all the mechanics, you know, I uh, I won't speak for my co-hosts, but speaking for myself, you sometimes scoff and say, ah, well, you know, the, another one of these, by age X, you should have Y in savings. And whether that's an absolute number or, you know, percentage of your uh, salary or what have you. Um, and, you know, by this my life milestone you should have this other thing happening in terms of you know what you've got going on in your budget you should spend no more than this percent you know no matter what and and, and there's lots of individual variation but sometimes you need to understand a little bit more behind those numbers you know or you know the one that will never die even though no one can really say where it came from save 10 percent of your income like where does that come from when does that apply you know if you're starting at age 50 hoping to retire at age 65 10 percent is probably not going to cut it um so you need to sort of understand what this recipe is meant for is like for lifelong uh savings and so you know, if you think about it, there's lots of people who find recipes very handy because they don't want to learn the mechanisms of cooking and baking and trying to figure out and customize recipes to their own life. And even when they do, it's handy to have a starting place. And so I'm wondering if it's 
if it would be handy to have like a personal finance cookbook and think about the recipes that we can make. And then also think about talking about the underlying mechanisms that go in there and understanding why things are the way they are, why the recipe is that way and when it might apply to someone and when it might not. And, you know, how you can get yourself a recipe for a chocolate chip cookie versus a biscuit versus, you know, a brownie or whatever. And even though they all use the same basic ingredients, it suits different people's tastes in different ways. And is there a financial equivalent or analogy to that? Anyway, it's getting late. I'm rambling on my own and there's no one else here to stop me. So I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, Hopefully this is a somewhat useful episode. And if not, hopefully Chris will kill it. Of course, I did not kill it. I absolutely loved hearing John talk about a conversation about money on your own. His brain is absolutely lovely, and I love that he talked about making pancakes for 15 minutes. I hope that you also found it useful. If you want to find more information on John, you can find his blog at holypotato.net and his incredible investing book and course at valueofsimple.ca. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. Five stars is always the most amount of stars and it helps people find the podcast. And if you really like what you heard, please check out Because Money slash Patreon and lend some support so that we can keep the pod going. You have a great week and talk to you soon.